0: You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard
1: Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. Mark, good morning. It is Saturday, November 14th. Just you and me today. Good. And Mark, I'm going to begin by noting that Georgia is the center of the universe. Not because of the Senate race, which the Democrats are going to lose at least one seat in, but Mark, it's the it's master's weekend.
0: Well, I want to give a shout out to our friend and colleague, Jim Davis, who tried to invite me to some master's pool that I couldn't understand. So I I appreciate the thought, but uh, I'm moving on from the master's, even though there are there's a day or two or three left, something like that.
1: Uh, two days left, Mark. I know you'll be glued to your television. I'm Gained doing it. pretty well on said master's pool, so I'm excited. Good. Good. Um, Mark, let's let's start here. Uh, you know, a couple weeks in the rearview mirror, uh, we have Trump still claiming that he won. Talk, talk about that. What do you make of it? Yeah.
0: Well, we're not even two weeks in the rearview mirror, which is amazing because we are still in the Trump era. We are still on Trump time. So it's so distorted. You don't experience it in reality. We're 10 days, I guess, from the election. Trump refuses to concede, although there are signs of some potential softening there. He continues to litigate in the most chaotic and unsuccessful way. Yesterday was a very good day in court for the Biden campaign. Day before was a very good day in votes when Georgia and Arizona were called. It's over. There are lawsuits that will continue for days. I don't even know if they will be weeks. But the process—it's a
1: sideshow. Every everybody knows it's a sideshow, Mark, and well, I his putting, his own White House even knows it's a knows it's a sideshow. When putting Giuliani in charge
0: of legal strategy confirms that it's a sideshow and that it's about the the story. It's about the narrative. It's about Rudy out there talking about the election having been stolen, it is not a serious legal effort.
1: So uh, no, it's not. And it's done. And within, I predict within a week, Georgia has to certify its uh, votes a week from yesterday. So the 20th.
0: Friday, the 20th is Georgia. Monday, the 23rd is Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah. In a week to 10 days, it's done. Correct. And he'll... Begrudgingly, he won't accept it because he won't accept it. But well, there may it, do, it doesn't there may matter.
0: Be, it does not matter. There may be lingering appeals that will. just... This isn't about
1: a legal case. It's about a it's about twenty PR sideshow. It's it's silliness, and yeah. I think Biden's playing it right by basically ignoring it, ignoring rising above it.
0: Yeah. Well, in leading, he has already taken charge of the <laughs> virus response to the degree he has the authority as the moral authority. And he's exercising it.
1: I, I but He'll I think, think Mark, the government. I think that Trump is complaining about the wrong thing. OK. And, you know, if you look, look at the polling errors and i don't know we ought to have somebody on here who can talk about polling bias mm-hmm. and polling errors but i mean it's 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 polls wrong it, it's not just that they're wrong it's the second time it has to on some level dissuade people from voting it has to have a it has to have some effect on voting it is the polls were not just wrong they were very wrong Second time in a row. Yep, and the the left leaning media amplifies the polls, and that to me, look, I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump at all. Well, but left leaning media narrative uh, sounds Trump. Oh, come and, on, Mark. on, Mark. Mark, come on. on. You watch CNN and MSNBC. It's beyond. I've had so many people <laughs> who are like Jeez. middle of the road. Independent, even Democrats, talk about how off the hook CNN is now. The country is deeply divided.
0: The cable outlets reflect that division because some cater to one side and and some cater to the other.
1: Fox News called. I hate I don't like Fox News either, but they called Arizona for. They did. Joe Biden before anybody else. They were right by, by the skin of their teeth. They were right. Mark. Come but, on. I mean, the media is biased. Don't even try. The New York Times, the Washington Post. you know, come on, Mark. No, the media no, you're is not, biased, you're
0: not hearing me, Howard. I was just calling you out on the left-leaning media. But it is fact.
1: left-leaning, which is as, the point. As
0: is the other half of the media no. right-leaning. No. The country is deeply divided. The media is in business to sell newspapers. And some, side, some outlets go one way, some go the other no, way. But, Mark, but back to Mark, the polling. No, no,
1: no, 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 stop. Come on. The two most important so-called newspapers in the country are the New York Times and the Washington Post. I put the Wall Street Journal third. They are biased. They're biased in every respect. They're biased to the left, especially the New York Times. It's totally legitimate. They're biased, for example, on something I care about. They're they're terribly biased Anti-Israel bias. I agree. New York Times, horrible. I agree. We've talked about that. I'm not
0: arguing with you. But it's not half
1: the country. That's not fair. Yes, Fox News is biased, obviously, to the right. And the conservatives eat that up. But the polling is biased. The media is biased. It's not right. It's not fair. Well,
0: back to this morning's podcast where you were saying that Trump is complaining about the wrong thing. He is certainly complaining about all of that. I I'm not sure what you think he should be complaining about. I, I he think, has complained for four years. I think, our, years I think that our
1: system is broken in, in this respect. Look, I, I don't have to keep saying it. Like I think he's horrible and I'm glad Biden won And I've said that consistently all along the way on this podcast, but it's, but it's fundamentally unfair to the right that the polling is so terribly biased that the media is so terribly biased. It is the narrative. And what is it you'd like to do? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm putting out there.
0: Well, number one, you got to distinguish between the media and the polling. There is a First Amendment still in this country. If the free press is biased one way or the other, the Supreme Court has repeatedly—we'll see what this court says someday—but right through today, the Supreme Court has said, Howard, if you don't like what the failing New York Times is reporting— don't read it. Mark, that's how it works, but in a free society. So if, so if it had I don't gone the what other you way, to
1: do about the media. The polling mark, the media and the polls are not two different things. The no they ABC team up News, in, Washington right, Post, right, right. poll team up the NBC, time. Wall Street Journal poll. If they're not the work, New York how, Times, Siena College how poll, it? they're not distinguishable. They are biased, and it's not fair. And it's so just, is Fox News, of course,
0: biased. I'm not even conceding a moral equivalency or a, a an accuracy equivalency. But but we're way down if you go, some road
1: here. What do you want no, to do? Not. What do you want to do, Howard? I don't what know. What do you want to do? Let's but take Trump take should— real have, clear politics. The, un, the number of left-leaning versus right-leaning— Polls that go into their average, which is probably the most cited average, most cited statistic in terms of, you know, where where the electorate is, is made up of many more sources from the left than from the right. And they've been wrong. And I don't know what to do about it. I don't well, have an answer, but I
0: want, I want to say three things and then move on uh, or continue you sound- or continue. You sound
1: like Joe Biden. <laughs> Uh,
0: And I'm proud. Don't say
1: I sound like Donald Trump. By
0: the way, Howard, I already told you you were Trumpian. You meant the failing New York Times. You left out the adjective. Howard, do I get to say my three things? Say your three things. Or do you want to shout me down like uh, Trump did with Biden at the first debate? Is that what this is? Do, Do you are you going to make me say, come on, man, shut up? You don't want me to say that. Number one, First Amendment. Okay, you don't like what the New York Times reports, don't read it. Number two, I do not accept at all that there is a bias in the media in one direction. There is a divide, I believe, and the bias is on both sides of the divide. You cannot tell me that Fox News. is not every bit as biased. I would oh, honestly it's submit biased. more biased and less reality-based, terribly biased. But number three, and I don't like coming it. back to the election, which is where we began. Yeah, I get it. And Trump is complaining about all that. And your point is instead of Complaining about massive voter fraud that everyone in America, except Fox News. I just think
1: I just think we have a broken system. But Howard, Howard, this
0: the, the Republicans won the election. The polls were wrong. The Times was wrong. The Post was wrong. The Republicans won everything except the top where Donald Trump was personally
1: repudiated okay that's your best comeback yet because but mark the system like clearly we need some kind of reform i'm all for the first amendment Oh man but we need some kind of reform because the polls have just been misleading and they have to have had an effect and it's just bad i'm not saying i again i'm glad trump didn't win but they're just—it's well, bad. It's bad. It's it bre- It's part of what is breeding distrust. I agree with all of the above, except that government
0: should do something about it.
1: Well, I didn't say that. Well, I just—I'm I, I, not. I'm not saying I know what the solution is because, of course, I believe I in the have First to tell Amendment.
0: You, you know, it's go bad. back and read the the free press from the election of 1800, or the election of 1860, or the election of 1920. This is not new. This is not new. What is new is social media, which is a whole different distortion of information and reality. But anyone who has read any election coverage in American history, Knows that that this is not new, but I agree with you that the the ability to disseminate and to sell disinformation and misinformation on both sides it's on both bad. sides is very bad. It's it's a social media phenomenon, I think more than a a lamestream media phenomenon. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know what to do about that, but. Uh, <laughs> We're not going to find out because the Democrats didn't take the Senate.
1: Well, why did the Republicans do so well, Mark? The country switch gears.
0: Yeah, the country remains, despite it all, despite the deep divide, despite the misinformation and disinformation, the country remains anchored in the center And the Republicans did so well because they sold a narrative. I don't personally find it factual, but I do agree it was very successful. They sold a narrative that Democrats want to defund the police and want to take away your private health insurance and want to socialize the economy. And people don't want that. And people bought that narrative and down ballot from the personal repudiation of Trump. Republicans won here, there and everywhere. And that that is a it's good and bad, in my opinion. It's good and bad. It's bad because it's based, I believe, on a distortion. But it's good because it ended up where the country is. The country's in the middle, and okay. so was this election. I
1: don't. I don't think we're as divided as people say we are. How about that? I mean, I. There's I just. A, yeah, there's a. Case I just. To be I made. just don't. I mean, yeah. We're gonna. The right what, wing and the left wing are divided. They make the most noise. They're the most active, so it makes it seem like we're highly divided. Trump has further divided us but he's more a reflection of people's dissatisfaction with the, the system we're economically divided, but I, I just, I just don't buy, I just don't buy that we're as divided as people say we are. I think we're a deeply divided
0: country economically, as you said, I think the, um, country has been more divided under Trump than ever because that's been his his governing philosophy is division. I think we're going to find out just how divided we in fact are. The country sent everybody in the middle to Washington and we're going to see if we can get some things done in the middle. I'm I'm optimistic that that we maybe can. But the inequalities that underlie the division are, are something that aren't Trump's fault. They were exacerbated by him, but, but that is what underlies the division, Howard, inside the Democratic Party itself. The the we're just gonna have to see what this all looks like. When you subtract out Donald Trump, oh. you get a chance to take a fresh look. At where we
1: are. Yeah. Speaking of division in the Democratic Party, so this week you had infighting in the New York Democratic Party between Jay Jacobs, the leader of the New York Democratic Party, and my favorite AOC.
0: (laughs) Oh, Secretary of the Treasury?
1: By the way, did she get
0: her appointment? Listen.
1: Listen, I'm sure <laughs> Nancy Pelosi would like nothing more than for Joe Biden to appoint her to uh, something. A, to yeah, ambassador
0: the, to Mozambique.
1: Yeah, get her the <laughs> heck out of the Congress.
0: But yeah. you want to hear a good, just a, a, a good fact?
1: Yeah, give me a good fact. Of
0: your, your favorite uh, secretary in uh, waiting, AOC, Joe Biden outran AOC in her own district. Okay, that's good. Okay? But she isn't the Democratic Party. She isn't even the Democratic Party in her district.
1: But Joe Biden outran her in her own district. But Mark, she, everybody around the country, they effectively nationalized their House races, their down ballot races, and they did it using her. And around New York, they did it using her Mm -hmm. and. Bill the Republicans. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got the the New York Democratic Party leader saying, quote, AOC has no standing on how to run a general election in the suburbs and upstate. She's in a district that's six to one Democrat. She couldn't find a Republican in her district with binoculars. I invite AOC to come to Long Island and stand for election in one of our districts. You'll see different results. And she blasted him back. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, but it's real and it's, there's a fight for the soul of the democratic party.
0: There is a, yeah, there is certainly a, a division in the democratic party, whether we choose To fight each other or fight Mitch McConnell, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks. We got to get through the Georgia runoff. I know you and I agree it's extremely unlikely to result in Democratic control. So if if we just jump ahead to January 6th and it's a McConnell controlled Senate, the Democratic Party has a choice. It can decide to fight Mitch McConnell And try to get some things done or it can decide to fight each other within it and and get nowhere. But the thing that that I keep coming back to is is this a year ago. Look at a year ago, Howard. Look at nine months ago, Mm pre-pandemic. We had on the stage 23 people, the. Least progressive among them was the old guy, was one of the old white guys, was was Joe Biden. We didn't nominate Bernie Sanders. We didn't nominate Elizabeth Warren. We didn't nominate- Came close,
1: but you're right. But- the, Trust the process. But why did, as we but why did he- Although that Mark, didn't work a,
0: for the Sixers. But the Democratic Party- well, it's only and the, the it's the most, most
1: important race, but it's, it's the most existential you, race but you, of but that was a personality choice. So here's a here's a data point. I a couple of data points I've been citing. Oh, this wait, week.
0: wait. You have research here? No, this it's minimal. You've is, heard Caitlin, these. Mark, you, you've heard you've heard these before, I promise you. you. Well, actually me, you told me Caitlin wasn't on, so I didn't have to worry about don't worry, research. Mark,
1: I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna uh I'm not going to kill you with research, but the second that you've heard this one, the second district in Nebraska Mm -hmm. apportions their congressional, their electoral votes, and they apportion in Nebraska by congressional district. Right. The Joe Biden improved nine points over Hillary Clinton from 2016 and took the second district of Nebraska. Mm hmm the congressional representative, Don Bacon, Republican from the district, out pull, out did his 2016 margin. So you have the presidential and the congressional race moving in different directions. Right. That's a person that shows you its personality. Here's another data point, this one you haven't heard, and it's relevant to Georgia. In the Georgia exit polls, a third of the electorate In Georgia is white evangelical Christian voters. Mm -hmm. 14% of them voted for Joe Biden. Now, that sounds like not very many, but it's actually a lot. It's about four and a half percent of the overall electorate. That's part of the reason that the Democrats don't have a chance in the runoff at January 5th, because those are Republican voters, not Democratic voters. And they voted against Donald Trump because they right. don't like him. Agreed. Same thing with the last minute deciders in Georgia. Mm-hmm. They broke heavily for Joe Biden because they don't like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But those people, they voted for Biden because they don't like Trump, they, not because they prefer Biden on a policy level. And no, but, but they
0: voted for Biden because they don't like Trump, and Biden isn't Elizabeth Warren, Biden isn't Bernie Sanders. We nominated someone who could take those votes away from Trump, and I think that that is a tribute to the party primary process. Those 14% were not voting for. For AOC, I, I'll well, bet they didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, right, Mark? The- so, so yes, it's personality. Yes, it's Trump. And without Trump on the ballot, Purdue and Lawler should get over fifty percent. I think that's I think that's probably right. But but it is not just a poster child election of a picture of biden and a picture of trump biden stands to the center of elizabeth and bernie and that crowd and that's where the
1: democratic party is anchored he stands to the right that doesn't make him stand in the center no to the
0: center and
1: Right. He's not in no, the center. I know. Here's
0: your let's have your speech about how he's a, a progress. He used to be a liberal. Now he's a progressive.
1: Now, here's what Elizabeth Warren wrote in an op ed that was widely talked about in The Washington Post this week. She said well, we got a lot of they did research it. Here. <laughs> talking about Biden and Harris, they did it by running on the most progressive economic and racial justice platform of any general election nominee ever. They ran on explicit plans to create new union jobs and clean energy, increase Social Security, expand health care, cancel billions of student loans, hold law enforcement accountable, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes on to acknowledge that there's a limitation on what they can't do with a divided Congress, but to right. propose a series of executive actions, such as canceling billions of dollars of student loan debt. Mm-hmm drug prices, OSHA, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that Joe Biden is going to be Elizabeth Warren, but we are going to see a lot of progressive policies out of the this administration, there's no question. No, I agree. And and by the way, liberal progressive, I don't care. That's just the term that you guys have adopted. Nope. And and there's going to be tremendous pressure on him tremendous pressure to do things that are right progressive to satisfy that wing of the party
0: and we'll see where that goes uh, in the executive branch in the legislative branch it, it ain't going nowhere and we we know that and elizabeth warren knows that it,
1: so it is, it, there there is this narrative sorry to interrupt mark but the, there is this narrative fair no, I'm not. I was gonna say no, that I'm not, not. but <laughs> there is this narrative in um the markets and elsewhere that Biden's a moderate and that you know he's gonna be measured in what he does. He's gonna do, and, and our clients need to get ready for this. And 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 companies out there, they need to get ready for this. Biden is is gonna exercise his executive power, which is immense, just like Trump has, just like Obama did, just like Bush did. It gets amped up every presidency and he will be exceedingly aggressive. Congress has oversight power. And and that's very relevant where you have a Republican Senate. There are legal avenues to try to stop an overassertion of executive power. The, the Republican state attorneys general will be very aggressive, just as the Democratic state attorneys mm-hmm. general have been in the Trump administration. There are tools in the toolkit you need to use to try to check, and and you can look. Yeah, you can talk to them, like. Um, I don't think this administration is going to have as open a door as the Trump administration (laughs) did, but it but it might have more of an open door than the Obama administration did, which did which was, frankly, there weren't many people inside that administration that understood the business world and that engaged with the business community. And it was a real flaw in the early days of the Obama administration. You'd be able to talk to these people and right. and, And they'll listen. So and it's it's really important. But but you keep saying these people
0: and that's what happens next here and it'll tell us a lot. We always yeah. say personnel is policy. Let's see who gets appointed to which position and then we'll know more about how centrist or leftist or progressive the work in that area will be Biden is the president. He gets to decide. But it matters a lot who fills all of these cabinet positions and then all the way down through the political appointments. And, and it'll be interesting. And, I you mean, you mentioned the markets. The markets had a good week. The markets yeah. seem to...
1: Well, the mark. I want to, mark, I want to talk about that, but but I don't want to lose your point on. Well, here's my the point. Personnel. But Here's my point. If you look at Howard,
0: the uh, the uh, financial regulatory team mm-hmm. that Biden has put in place as a transition, not that these people are going to end up running the the government, but. It it is a team that's got uh, a, a hostile lean to it uh, w- towards Wall Street. It okay. is it is not. Steve Mnuchin it is a Gary Gensler and it is a a team of people who in the past have advocated for have implemented in the Obama administration financial regulation and and who are probably headed in that direction again
1: they're not going to be nutty but but that's
0: the point yeah but 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 I the markets didn't flip out at those appointments because it's in the Biden administration and they and they've been there before. You can so, talk
1: to them. So the thing that I have two points on this. The thing that we are doing, that I am doing, that mm-hmm. we are doing for our clients is look, the rumor mill is running rampant, and I'm not of course we're focused on who the next treasury secretary is going to be and the next
0: are you going to reveal that in this podcast?
1: I think it's going to be Roger Ferguson, but who, we'll see. Or Lale Brainerd, one of the two of them. Okay. But there's never been a uh, woman, woman that's been uh, Treasury Secretary, so that would be historic. Uh, there's never been an African-American Treasury Secretary, so that would be historic. So, um, but no, what I'm doing is, what we are doing is watching the personnel mm-hmm. like a hawk and you have to look at where these people came from yep. you have to look at where they worked who they work for etc and,
0: and what and, they've said and done because many of them yeah. have been in and out of government
1: right and but even at the junior even at the more junior level most definitely at the more junior level because The client has an issue. We don't start with the secretary of agriculture. We start with a deputy assistant secretary or a senior advisor, the deputy chief of staff or whatever it is. And you just have to meet people where they are if you want to be persuasive. And so the most important thing, anybody that stands to be impacted Biden policy choices can do is look at who's in what seats. Right. Couldn't agree more. i I'm we keep have... saying that well, <laughs> for the next look, four years.
0: We don't even know who's in which seats. And we've had yeah. multiple calls every day discussing right. that we scour the transition team and the agency team's for clues about who's going to end up in which seat and we do it because it's what we do but also because our clients all day long every day want to want to hear about it so couldn't couldn't agree more my point is that we it's premature to declare that every executive order out of the Biden administration is going to be written by Elizabeth. Ah,
1: I mean, I don't think that,
0: you know, I don't think that, but no, but it was a good line. So I wanted to use great, great line. No, of
1: course not. Look, we got to see who lands where Look, it's also premature or non-existent to think, to assume that, there are going to be drastic changes from Trump policies to Biden policies on everything. Right. Take drug pricing, for example. Overlap. A lot a serious of overlap. overlap. Yeah, and in yeah. fact, Trump issued a series of executive orders, an assertion of executive power a few months back, a couple months back. Biden's going to pick those up and run with them. Yep. There is plenty that will continue. I would even say... Most things like down in the weeds of a variety of client issues we're dealing with, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a Republican Democrat thing or a Trump Biden thing. It's what is the career level telling the political level? What is it's just frankly, Decision making on the basis of there's a lean and a Biden EPA, for example, but that doesn't mean even with the EPA that every decision will change course from a Trump administration to a Biden administration
0: because there is the permanent government. There are the career folks who, who will remain and there are initiatives underway that will continue because they're consistent with, with the Biden administration. But, but, but climate mm-hmm. is going to be a dominant once we're past the virus, I believe, will be the dominant driver of policy throughout the administration. And climate will cause some change at, at EPA yeah. for sure.
1: I mean, oh for sure. That's day one change and then yeah. continuing on yep. with incremental actions throughout the yep. Biden term. But there's no question. But Mark, you you mentioned the markets before the the stock market is at an all-time high. The S&P 500 is at an all-time high. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're firmly in the midst of a of a third COVID wave. What what do you attribute that to?
0: I'm an amateur, so I'd like to hear what you think it is attributable to. But it seems to me that the news of a vaccine yeah. obviously was the majority driver of the markets and secondly, divided government. Yeah, you know, I agree. I, I think the markets love Biden. They they love swapping out Biden for Trump. They didn't want four more years of of. Chaos. They wanted some stability and certainty. But they also love having Mitch McConnell there with effectively a veto over raising taxes and whatever Green New Deal type programs might have been proposed. So the election worked great for the markets. The vaccine coming two days after the election is. I, I wish we were on video because I'm smiling at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean...
0: You got to smile at that. Well, it was
1: strange. I don't believe it was oh. a political decision. Oh, it was totally a political decision, but it, was, it wasn't it was a anti-Trump political decision. Well, that's what I mean. mean. That's what I It I'm was talking. Pfizer. I mean, can you imagine the discussion that took place in that boardroom? Yeah, yeah. It was Pfizer clearly deciding to hold the news until after the election. So they weren't... To stay out of the election. It was Pfizer deciding to do what Jim Comey should have done. Exactly. (laughs) And God, that would have been a fascinating conversation. But (laughs) I agree with you on your... In-depth market analysis, Mark. <laughs> I think it's the the well, vaccine and divided government that I did. I called my my
0: friend Jamie at uh, Goldman and asked him what to say. So
1: okay, well, shout out to Jamie. Well, then you did prepare. <laughs> you you are guilty of preparing for the podcast, Mark. And uh, you know, but look, the third wave. You know, I think yes, climate is right behind covid as the top biden priority but i do think and this is what i'm telling people is that for the next ten not four years not eight years ten years for the next decade this country just like we spent a decade fixing the ills that caused the financial crisis generals are always fighting the last war and we are going to spend the next 10 years as a country reviewing and deciding what to do to make sure that the next pandemic doesn't end up like this pandemic. And that's enormously important. If you're a company that has something to say about that, you need to get engaged because that debate will rage and those decisions will be made for, you know, to, to make the country better for build back better, Mark, for, for a long time. So, um, I I think that will always be there and healthcare obviously is part of that. And and anyway, it's going to be a fascinating and, and fun uh, four years and and four years
0: of, of beltway briefings. Uh, And that's what we have to look forward
1: to. I mean, we don't have as many, we will not have as many wacky tweets to talk about, but it's okay. (laughs) That's good by me. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay here. All right. Well, spirited discussion, Mark. We Howard, will be back next good week. Good luck in that
0: master's pool. I'm I'm going to be rooting for you.
1: I've got JT to win it all, and I, I like my chances, but... JT's a, a golfer? He is. Yeah, Mark. okay. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you about it some other time. <laughs> all right. I'm watching for JT. All right. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you. You've been
0: listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast
1: so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.